Okay, before we get started today, I have to talk to you about this documentary I watch on HBO or HBO Max or Max or whatever you want to call it. It's called Burden of Proof. It is the exact kind of documentary I love. So it has that like who done it kind of vibe about it and along the way you're like trying to figure it out too and afterwards you're still like overthinking it and like wait, what happened and it could have been this and it could have been that. So the story is you're following along the filmmakers and the main character, I can't remember his name, but he's like such a character you just are rooting for. And the story is that years ago in his childhood, his sister went missing and he thinks his parents are involved in it. And she was about 15 when she went missing and his parents said she just disappeared one day. And she left a note, clearly not written by her. It was written like by someone's non-dominant hand. Like it, it very hard to read, like looks like it was written by a child. The parents didn't report her missing for days. It was all very, very suspicious. He thinks his parents were involved in, uh, in her disappearance. He is talking to his parents, trying to kind of like suss out their stories along with the filmmakers, along with private detectives. There's other characters, like maybe it was an ex-boyfriend, maybe it was this kind of character that was a little suspicious that she babysat for who has kind of a suspicious past. It is so good. So I really, I'm not going to go through the whole thing because why would I do that to you when you can watch it yourself? I don't want to steal that from you. It is such a good documentary. So definitely get into that uh, when you have a whole afternoon to just, to just completely immerse yourself in a documentary. It's, I don't know, four or five parts. It's, it's amazing. But that's not what I'm here to talk to you about today. Uh, this is Overthinking in Your Underwear. The show where we overthink everything from self-love to crime documentaries on HBO. I am Lindsay, author of Overthinking in Your Underwear, the book, and now the podcast. Every week I share with you whatever I'm overthinking. And this week I'm overthinking with you introversion and my extroverted parents. So I'm going to read to you a little bit of what I wrote about this and then um, we'll talk about it too. My parents make friends on vacation. They attend high school reunions. A run to the store with my mother may take upwards of two hours as she chats with a woman in produce about the fall weather or a fall she took last year. In juxtaposition, I've taken international vacations alone and spoke solely to the person at hotel check-in with a slight nod. The only, re the only reunions I attend involve Bravo Andy. If I'm speaking with someone at the grocery store, call 911 because I'm informing them of a medical emergency. Growing up with the most extra averted parents, I believed this was normal human behavior. Plan parties, join the club, know your neighbors. Let me be clear, my parents are two of my favorite people. But as an introvert who covets quiet, needs periods of recharge, and likes my social time in small doses, I thought my mom and dad got a defective product they should return to Amazon. It wasn't only my parents, our family was loud. Hostesses saw us coming and sat us near the back by the clanging pots of the kitchen. My dad's stories are animated and acted out like a competitive game of charades. Jokes are effective communication in my household and sarcasm our love language. We weren't a family who read quietly in the living room or sat in silence overthinking our next creative project. That was my idea of fun. 
However, growing up in a family of oversized personalities and exaggerated storytelling, you learn the language, like picking up Spanish from your native-speaking grandma. When faced with a work dinner or first date, I can extrovert with the best of them, vamp when needed, charm on a dime. At a party or gathering, I'm all jazz hands and hey, how you doing there, tiger? I don't hate peopling. It's that my battery drains faster than an iPhone from 2010. I need to recharge and plug in with alone time and activities that stir my mind. Reading, writing, or podcasts. Years ago, I didn't understand personality types or why social situations made me feel like a fast-melting ice sculpture with limited time before I went from rock solid to puddle on the floor. So I overcompensated with alcohol. You know that stupid line, I'm going to drink until you're cute? A more accurate joke is, I'm going to drink until I'm comfortable talking to a stranger. That's what we all do. Introverts, extroverts, verts of any kind. Let me go off for a second about drinking. Alcohol isn't only here to make us feel like the life of the party. Do you know what alcohol does? Alcohol turns down the rational part of your brain that says, don't talk to strangers. Don't go home with that person. Be aware of your surroundings. Don't say that to your boss. Alcohol quiets your internal safety monitor, which is why you have the sober friend there to take your keys or tell you not to make that decision. Alcohol doesn't care about your safety. It cares about having a good time, which is why you wake up the next day feeling guilty that you behave so carelessly because you would never put yourself in that situation. But you know who would? Alcohol. Every damn time. Anyway, I drank. I drank more and I injured my self-worth. It was on the way to healing that I took a hard look at things like personality types and core beliefs. I had to re-examine my core belief, introversion is weird, understand its origins, reframe the meaning, and get cozy with who I am. Core beliefs are the absolute truths we hold about the world and how it works. We adopt core beliefs from our parents, caretakers, siblings, friend groups, and our community. I absorbed the core belief extroversion is normal and introversion Well, it wasn't an idea we talked about in the 80s or posted as a badge of honor on our non-existent social media sites. Even now, I typed introvert into an online thesaurus and the words shy, nerd, and misfit popped up, along with many more unflattering labels. Thanks, internet! But these labels, among others, are how I felt about myself for a long time because who I am didn't line up with the core beliefs I saw at home. Adopting a belief system that works against you can influence how you feel about yourself and your self-worth. Our negative labels are grounded in our past and formed from concepts such as core beliefs. Core beliefs may look and sound something like this. The world is a scary place, or I am safe in the world. I am stupid, or I am smart. Life is unfair, or if you act accordingly, the world is a fair place. All marriages end in divorce, or marriages forever. Core beliefs don't only thrive on the positive and negative access. They also hang in the balance, which takes a bit of overthinking. Imagine you grew up with the belief, everyone gets married by 30. It's a sentiment you observed in your community, and it took shape as a core belief. Now you're 28, packing your bags, ready to travel the world with no interest in partnership, and something seems wrong about stamping your passport. You're responding to the core belief and letting it cloud your current perspective. Understand the origin of your belief and hand over its walking papers if it doesn't fit the life you want to live. As you poke through your past, your pointer finger may start working overtime. 
my parents did this and my environment caused that. Blame releases us from the responsibility of our emotions and actions. People, institutions, society, history, it all deserves scrutiny and accountability in many cases. But this chapter isn't about grabbing a cape and avenging wrongdoing. It's about mastering your life and not letting an ounce of your personal power slip through the seams. If every time something goes wrong, we think I'm from a broken home or I had a bad marriage, you're removing authority over your emotions and current actions and placing the blame squarely in the past. Recognize the source of your core belief and work through it with a professional if necessary. But after the analysis, pick it up and put it down. So you're in control, not limiting beliefs from long ago. Today, I wear my introversion like a time-worn pair of sweatpants. I lock the door, cuddle my dog, and decline your invitation like an incoming spam call. I know introversion is a normal, healthy personality type as much as its outgoing alter ego extroversion, and I have no desire to feel sorry about it. Being an introvert made me the writer, overthinker, and wellness-obsessed searcher I am today. It turns out introversion is the only club I'd race to join, and in here, it's always a party of one. So it was like, it really was such a journey for me to like understand personality types. I have this joke that I say, I don't know if it's a joke anyone laughs at, you can let me know. But my mom reading my book, um, Overthinking in Your Underwear, she read that I was an introvert and she was so like shocked. I feel like she would have been more comfortable if she had read that I was an extroverted lesbian than (laughs) to read that I was an introverted overthinker it was like so shocking to her that she kept being like well i i just didn't know you were an introvert i didn't know you were an introvert you're an introvert and it it felt like it was a dirty word to her introvert meant something different years ago it meant almost hermit i think it almost means the word hermit to a different generation i don't think it was it definitely wasn't until i got older and there became such a conversation, whether it was on social media or in reading books or listening to podcasts even, where I heard people like um, Amy Schumer talked about being introverted. There's a lot of performers that are introverted. It's a very kind of common thing for people to want to extrovert in their creative life, but they're introverts in their real life. So a lot of podcasts talked about introversion. I think when I started listening to podcasts probably a decade ago, I started to understand, wait, this feels like me. Wait, that's exactly how I am, you know? And so I started reading more about it and understanding this is who I am. And even though there was this core belief at home that I saw, which is completely fine, and that's real and true for my parents, and they did nothing wrong, For me, this is what's true. This is what's comfortable, plugging in, needing time to recharge. And I felt like it was wrong because I saw something else at home and I saw something being expressed and something being mirrored. I thought, oh, well, I must be doing something wrong if that's not how I wanna behave too. And when I learned, okay, well, maybe I'm just have a different personality type, which is completely okay and completely acceptable. It really helped me on my self-worth and self-love journey to say, you are okay. You are 
absolutely living your truth. They are living their truth. There is nothing right or wrong, black or white about it. So I encourage you to look at your core beliefs like I talk about in this blog, and it may have absolutely nothing to do with personality type. You may be a huge extrovert and always have been great with it, or a huge introvert and always been great with it. Core beliefs are sort of these things that are ingrained in us, whether it is from our family or from our community. It can be from our group of friends. It can just be from the circle where you grew up. Maybe you had you grew up and it said, everyone, to be successful, you must go to college. And maybe you're someone that just doesn't want to go to college. You're sitting there going, you know what? I'm an artist. I want to just work on my art. You're graduating and you're sitting there thinking, well, I want to be an artist, but not going to college is wrong. You cannot be successful and work on your art, but you have this kind of ingrained thing because you went to a very, you know, successful, high achieving high school, whatever it is, you, we absorb these core beliefs from how we grew up. So really take a look at your core beliefs because they really drive how we look at ourselves. They drive how we look at the decisions we make and they really affect how we view things because We just accept things as fact because of our childhood. In the book, we talk about blame or accountability a lot. Whatever we're talking about, whether it's a breakup or core beliefs or anything, um, everything should start with a look in the mirror. Even if you need to evaluate, well, I, I learned this from my parents or the breakup ended because he was like this. Everything should start with what's my ownership in this? Where was my place in this? I don't think you can get anywhere in your self-healing journey if you're always using your pointer finger. You're not going to get anywhere. I think everything has to start with a look in the mirror and say, okay, well, where was my place in this? How can I be accountable for this in terms of this core belief? There's, there's absolutely no blame to my parents. My parents were simply being themselves. They were being true to themselves and they are extroverts, absolutely great. They did nothing wrong. It was my journey to come to find my own personality type, to work out my core belief, to come to the place of understanding and accepting and living in my truth, absolutely great. If I spent the whole time looking back and saying, my parents didn't nurture my introversion, which I think would be really ridiculous and silly. But if I did take that view, it would be such a, first of all, that's negative energy. That would be really negative. Not to mention, I would be looking back instead of putting my energy forward, moving forward with positive energy and action. Whatever you're looking at, take the blame away from it, even if it is something more major than what I'm talking about now. You know, you need to blame, you need to look at the accountability of your ex-partner or your environment. Don't let the blame sit there for too long because it really is putting the energy in the past instead of taking you forward with positive energy and action. I talk about drinking in this chapter and I definitely talk about drinking a lot and it's definitely a because it's a thing for me. I'm not trying to preach. I'm not trying to preach to you. I'm not trying to be holier than thou about drinking. It's because it was such a problem for me, I feel like for, I don't know, a decade that I want to share 
what I know about it. It's just something that comes up for me a lot, I feel like. But I don't want anyone to think that I'm like preaching to you about how I think you should live your life. The more I talk about it, the more people talk to me about it. And I'm realizing it is such a struggle for people. It's so intertwined in our social lives. Let's have a drink. Let's go out for a drink. Hey, we're having a drink tonight. Hey, and you're sitting there going, well, I was trying to live this healthier lifestyle and I just got asked out for four drinks this week. And it can be such a hard thing how it's so laced into everything we do. I'm actually recording this early in the morning on July 4th. I can't imagine how many drinking activities are planned today. For someone who has been sober for a while now, it doesn't it doesn't tweak me at all really, but for someone who's trying to manage their sobriety or drink less, it is hard. And I, I've been in that situation years ago when I was like, oh, I'm trying to drink less, but now it's July 4th. Now what do you do on July 4th? Okay, and there, it seems like there is always a situation. And then the next day you go, oh, well, we have we have drink, drinks at happy hour on Thursday for work. I mean, it is so interlaced in our society. That is not exactly what I wanted to talk about, but like I told you, I get off on a tangent. As an introvert, and I don't think it's just introverts. As an introvert, as an extrovert, drinking is what you do in a social situation. You grab a drink to ease into the social situation. Especially, I mean, if you're with your good friends, sure, maybe it feels easier not to grab the drink because you're so comfortable with the people and you're so used to being around the people. But imagine like a work happy hour you're like get me a drink and then i can talk to these people that i don't know it's like we can talk to the strangers then right it just becomes this way everyone socializes how can you socialize as an introvert get me the drink even the extroverts get me the drink and drinking just becomes this way that we all kind of enmesh together and socialize and move around and so next thing you know it becomes a problem that definitely happened for me and I've written about it before and one drink didn't really happen. It would always kind of turn into five and I had ha horrible hangovers. So even if I just had a work dinner, it would I would have a horrible hangover the next day. So I had to come to the point where I would just where I just said I just I'm not drinking. I'm just not drinking. It's it's not healthy for me. I don't feel like I have control of it and it makes me feel terrible. I feel terrible anxiety. I feel terrible physical symptoms from it. It's just not a part of my life. Something else I write about in here, I think we think alcohol just eases us into social situations, which it does. But I read this thing that what alcohol actually does is it removes the safety monitor in our brain. So the reason we feel so comfortable in a situation of strangers is because it removes that internal safety monitor. So suddenly we feel safe around strangers. We feel safe having a chat with our boss that we would normally feel that anxiety. We feel safe. How many times have you jumped in a car with a person you shouldn't have? And the next day you think, did I just get in a car with whomever? You're chatting with your Uber driver like crazy. Where normal, normally if you were sober, you would be more reserved because you're talking to a stranger. I've had this one. I was just walking down an empty street by myself, absolutely no fear at one o'clock in the morning because my internal safety monitor was turned off. So it's so 
dangerous because it's not just there to make make us mix and mingle and socialize better. It doesn't care about our safety. Alcohol does not care about your safety. And that's what always scared me is the next day I would wake up and I would look back on so many different events that I would go, that was dangerous. Where if if I was sober, I would have just waited to get a cab. I would have waited to get an Uber. I would have made sure a friend walked with me. But because you're you're drunk, your internal safety monitor is turned off and you go, eh, it's okay. I'm not going to wait. I'm just going to walk. Alcohol doesn't care about your safety. So I think if you are struggling with drinking, think about that. Think about, think about your safety, how much you care about yourself. Think about the fact that your safety monitor is turned off when alcohol turns on all those other fun feelings in your brain. I know that's a little bit of a side note, but it's just something I wanted to share with you that I read this week. The last thing I'll leave you with is um, in the written version, there's always a let's overthink it part. You might look at that, but one of the things I really like about it, it, it's an exercise to kind of help you figure out your core beliefs. I talk about in meditation, so flip your core beliefs. So instead of introversion is weird, introversion is a normal, healthy part of my personality. So I would take that now I'm good with it. I'm fine with it. I don't need to do this. But let's say years ago when I was when I was coming to terms with this, I would take that and sit in meditation and it would be part of my mantra. So it wouldn't have to be every day. You can use your normal mantra if you're into meditating. Use that and flip your core belief and use it as part of your mantra for, you know, a five minute meditation and do that a couple times a week until you flip your core belief, reframe it and flip it on its head. Whatever it is, if you have the core belief of I am a failure because you feel like your parents beat that into you or your community was a a situation that felt like everybody was a failure and nobody could get out of it, whatever it is, say I am erupting with with talent and destined for greatness. Use that affirmation in in meditation a few times a week, five minutes, and you'll you'll reframe your core belief. That's what I've got for you today. Thank you so much for overthinking with me this week. And until next time, I'm wishing you all good thoughts.